Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> it is called Show Me Something Wrong. Is that the new yeah, intro? Yeah, okay, all right, we'll go with that. Where each episode, one of us chooses a movie to watch that the other person has not seen. Oh. The movie is often obscure, usually strange, and always wrong. I'll keep that the same. I'm Dave. <laughs> I'm Guy. And today I've chosen the movie, and it is Touch of Death. A.K.A. You ready to hear me butcher some Italian again? Oh, please do. A.K.A. Quando Alice Rupe lo Specchio. It's pretty convincing. Which translates to When Alice Broke the Mirror. And it's from 1988. And it's directed by our favorite boy, <laughs> Lucio Fulci. All right. Yeah, I actually looked up each one of those words in Italian to see how you can actually pronounce it. Because if if I'm just reading it as it's written, it looks like quando Alice rupe lo spiccio. All right. Can you do it in like a real like thick like London accent now? Quando Quando Alice rupe lo spiccio. Oh, have a word. He's only bloody got to done it. (laughs) All right. I I thought today as well, just up the top, because we always do it at the end, Mm. but let's encourage people now to follow the Twitter. Oh. Just so it's at the start. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So follow us on Twitter, mm. SMSW Podcast on Twitter, and please leave some lovely reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, someone else did that. Someone did that, didn't they? It's very, very nice. We really appreciate that. And you can, of course, email us at... I was about to give my normal email address there. <laughs> you can also email us <laughs> You at, can send me fan mail <laughs> to my home address. My home address. <laughs> Uh, you, you can send us emails at show me something wrong at gmail.com. Yeah, I thought I'd do it up the top as well as, as at the end. Come on, just you know, oh. just pumping people up a little bit. There you go. I also, before we dive into Touch of Death, mm. I want to give a massive thank you to Ben. His username on Twitter and mm. letterboxed is Oni Babadook. Oh. He really saved my ass for this, this episode because I have this film back in Australia, mm. I don't have it here in Japan. And I was going to order the Blu-ray and just could not find it on oh, really? Amazon Japan. So it would not arrive in time. And he helped me out with, yeah, providing me some stuff from that oh, Blu-ray, yeah. some booklet photos and whatnot. And that really, really helped me. So big thanks to thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Good we, old Ben. We like Ben. We like Ben. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a huge, huge thank you. All right. Are you ready to dive into Touch of Death? I am so ready to right. dive into this. So last time I said this is this episode is a sequel to one of our previous episodes. So that's right. So so yeah. just to confirm, is this part of the same series that we spoke about last time? Yeah, is a like few the... a few episodes ago we we spoke about the murder secret. That's right. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that to that episode, listen to that one first. Mm. Because I'm not going to go into the same level of detail about no, the no. <laughs> but you you gave a huge background yeah. history on the on the series that this film is yeah. from, right? So just in a very brief nutshell, I'm going to give a super quick recap of it. Basically, this film, Touch of Death, is part of the same series as The Murder Secret. Uh, there were eight films that were commissioned to to be TV movies originally, mm-hmm. through lots of complicated fuck arounds mm-hmm. which we talk about in the murder secret they were never actually shown on tv and they were renamed lucio fulci presents mm. that was like the title name and eventually released to straight to to video later on a few years later fulci reused all the gore scenes mm. from these eight movies 
in his film, uh, A Cat in the Brain. Banger. Yeah. So in, in that episode, the Murder Secret episode, I mentioned Touch of Death and kind of assumed that you would have seen it because mm. you like your Fulci films. Mm. And I was so excited to hear that you hadn't seen it because this is fucking insane the it's way, the craziest Fulci the way ever. you pitched it to me it was kind of just like you said so like kind of blase and it's like oh yeah it's about the guy who kills people with disabilities <laughs> yes, was, essentially yeah. <laughs> deformities maybe. oh deformities yeah, yeah. already yeah and i was just like oh fucking hell so yeah i was pumped to be able to watch this and very much with the murder secret I was watching this and straight off the bat, I was like, there is no way this would have aired on TV. <laughs> this is not allowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even even more so with this one. Like this film is Oh yeah. Fucked. Yeah, this one is a is a fucked. is a banger. Yeah, there's there's a, a lot to talk about with this film. So I do have some production history stuff Let me hear to it. get into. So Maybe to start off with, let's think about where we are in Fulci's career mm. at this point in time. So this is 88. This is not Fulci at his peak. But even Fulci at his peak, he did not work with huge budgets. Like, mm. he had some money, but money was always kind of an issue with him for, for his films. And do you know the you know the actor Al Cliver? He's, he always yeah. has a mustache. He's in... Fucking every single Fuji film, basically. He's in oh, Zombie. I'm sure he's one of the main oh, guys. He's the guy in, with the mustache. The guy with the mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in Touch of Death as well, so we'll talk about him later. He's the the uh, the bookie. Oh guy yes, in yes, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's in the Beyond. He's the one that someone I think maybe David Warbeck shoots a window and the glass flies out and smashes into <laughs> his face. So he's in a ridiculous amount of Fuji films, um, and I have a quote from him where he describes Fulci as being always angry, always frustrated, and he would often say uh, Michelangelo would use marble, and with with marble you can make a masterpiece, but with me I get a lousy piece of cement and they expect me to make a masterpiece. <laughs> so that kind of sums up like Fulci's feelings on his, his work, right? He was never satisfied with the money he was getting, mm. the scripts that he was getting. Yeah, he just had all through his career, a pretty rough time. Right. And he also very famously hated Dario Argento, despised Dario Argento, mostly because of the amount of money that Argento would get. In some extra that I watched, uh, there was a story about Fulci watching opera, you know, mm, the Argento yeah. film, and it just enraging him because he's like, look at how much money this fucking guy is getting and I get nothing. Yeah. So the, the time that opera came out, that's when Fulci was at his his lowest. This is right. like the end of his career. And the two do often get compared don't they? Yeah, they do get it's, it's like a, the Fulci team and the Argento team. Yeah, they're very different directors, but they do often get lumped in together. Yeah. Right? They were working at the same kind of time, and mm. they both had very elaborate death scenes mm. and very theatrical. But but they are totally different filmmakers. Argento is a bit more um, classy, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Than than our our dirty yeah. <laughs> I I also think. For, I, I'm not going to say one's better than the other. I like both directors, but I do think Fulci was much more of a what's the word? A, he's he was a genre hopper, and he mm. could like make films in any genre mm. quite well. Like mm. he made some amazing westerns, some amazing giallo zombie films. Like he sort of went all over the place. Mm. Whereas I think Argento basically stuck to the same kind right. of film, mostly. Right. right. Like he dipped into Supernatural a bit, but it was mostly like giallo and, mm. and that kind of stuff. So 
yeah, very, very different directors. I like them both. I'm not going to... I don't dislike Argento. I was yeah. always very much on the Fulci side of things. Yeah, I am, I am more of a Fulci yeah. guy, personally, but I do, he I just, do like He brought the gore, and that was what I needed at the time when I was <laughs> in my fucking Fulci yeah. phase. <laughs> and his films, like, his peak films, they are beautiful-looking mm. films. They're, they're incredibly atmospheric and, and amazing. Great score. Yeah, yeah, fantastic scores. Yeah. This film... Not so atmospheric or beautiful looking. <laughs> so, Touch of Death is basically, it's like bargain bin Fulci. Yeah. This is Fulci towards the end. And it's also a time when Italian cinema was kind of done. Hmm. So, another Al Cliver quote, uh, he talks about this period for Fulci. Mm-hmm. And he says, with, with these movies, Fulci had nothing. All the Italian film industry went bankrupt and there was nothing left. Like, right. this is the end right, of, of right. Italian cinema. So, so you said this is towards the end of Fulci's career. Do you know when was his? When was the end of his career? Uh, I think his last film is, like, 91 or 92. Okay. Um, Door into Silence, I think it's, like, right. 91, 92. So, he made this and a couple more films in the late 80s, and then Cat in the Brain, Voices mm. from Beyond. And then I still like all his later films mm. but they're just his, he doesn't have a budget anymore right. his crew that he would used to work with in his peak like the same people they're all gone all of the kind of famous cast members are, are gone as well was that also down to budgetary restraints or was that just because he's an angry grumpy man um, i think it's a bit of both right <laughs> we'll definitely talk about his uh yeah his grumpiness a bit later oh well. okay all right i've got a few stories about that but th- this film in particular so not only is it a film that didn't have much of a budget but as you know the production of this mm. film is absolutely fucking insane yep. so w- one of the the things i watched for to research this this podcast is from the 88 films blu-ray mm. one of the funniest and dumbest extra features i think i've ever seen on a blu-ray <laughs> so it's like a extra feature where they interview two people right. involved with the film okay one being the first ad whose name is right. uh michelle d angelus mm-hmm. i don't know how to pronounce it but so- something like that and the other person they interview is the guy that plays the tramp in the film the ho- oh, hobo wow. guy so just yeah, those two yeah. guys okay and most of the this extra feature is just the ad that he's speaking english and, and he just calls he just says that everything's funny He's like, oh, this guy, very funny, very funny. <laughs> and just telling stories. And he's like, yeah, very funny, very funny. It's a very, very funny extra feature. But <laughs> I kind of love that, though. Like, you do get these, like, restoration Blu-rays, and they just try to find anyone who was involved in the production. It doesn't matter yeah. who they are, how minor they were or whatever. Like, you're going to come and you're going you're gonna to have an interview and it's going to be great. And <laughs> to be fair, like, this feature as dumb as it was it was more just the fact that it was only two people and two totally uh, like they felt so different the Mm. two people but it was actually quite interesting like i got a lot of really good production information mostly from the ad not so much the guy that played the (laughs) and it kind of gave a pretty nice insight into the chaos of of making this film Mm. so like we said with the murder secret it was part of this series of films and the AD in this extra feature really lays out how complex this was. So this is what he says about the production of this film. So they were shooting a film series for two producers mm. 
who were executive producing for another company that was executive producing for another company <laughs> that was executive producing for television. So there's this wow. insane complex like string of production mm. companies like all connected to each other. And that also made the budget an absolute fucking nightmare. Yeah. So the budget was the equivalent of 250,000 euros in today's money. However, because of that line of production, everyone had to take their producer fees yeah. one by one. Yeah. And ultimately, it ended up being like half that amount. Right. Because of all the money that the producers took. Damn. So they were working with nothing and they were shooting it in two and a half weeks with quite a small crew, like 20, 25 people mm. or something like that. And then the production company that that they were working with was apparently really terrible <laughs> and just couldn't organize things for them. So they would have every all the information of what they needed on the call sheets and the production company just wouldn't deliver it. Oh. So Fulci was very frustrated making this film. He was always yes, a frustrated yeah. guy. I, but, I understand yeah. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the AD was saying the script of this he thought was actually quite good, mm. but the budget and the lack of time meant that it was just too much of an undertaking it and it kind of suffered from from that the the other thing i found really funny about this it seemed like no one really wanted to work on this film right because <laughs> it was shot in a location that was quite far away from the city mm. and to get to and and then the the, the shooting days were like 15 to 18 hour days oh, over this two and a half week period that's pretty grim so no one really wanted to do it because they're like oh if we go to the shoot we have to drive such a long time and the AD, was, he only took the job because he was desperate to work with mm. Fulci. And he was like, oh, if I if I take this on, I, I'm the one who picks up Fulci from his house and drives him to the location. Right. So he picked him up and just every time he'd just be grilling him with all these questions about like the beyond and zombie oh, and really? stuff like that. <laughs> and apparently the first time he drove him to the location, Fulci got out and he's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what does he know so much about me? <laughs> Pretty funny, but so even though it was this very stressful production, Fulci still, even at this point in his career, really put in a big effort to, you know, make this an interesting film. And he always wanted to shoot with dollies and tracks, and he always wanted it to be like moving all the time. He wanted mm. the image to be moving. Brett Halsey, the main actor, who we'll talk about soon, he, he says that about Fulci. Like, that was his thing. If the actors aren't moving, the camera has to be. So Fulci was always about movement, and he always knew what he wanted. So he would come in, be very precise, knew exactly where the camera should go. So it's not like he's some hack. Mm. He's just someone working with limited production sure. costs and stuff. And I know how much you loved The Murder Secret. <laughs> I have a quite a fun comparison to The Murder Secret. Okay. So the AD worked on Touch of Death and The Murder Secret. Mm. And The Murder Secret, not so much a dynamic film. It's 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 quite bad. Yeah. And the way it's shot is basically like, boom, there's the camera. We'll just get the scene from here. Yeah. Boom, here's a close up. Not very interesting. I mean, it just seems it like a, a, a television drama, you know? Exactly, like, exactly. So the AD who worked with Mario Bianchi on that film, he describes Bianchi as a very nice man who didn't give a shit about the film he was making. <laughs> <laughs> so nice guy, very relaxed, but couldn't give a fuck about that right, film, right. which makes a lot of sense. So that's the production of the film. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Brett Halsey. The He's main the main actor. actor. Yeah. Did you did you know him from anything? I recognize him, but I couldn't pinpoint where where I know him from, mm. but I've not looked him up yet. 
I really wanted to talk to, talk about him quite a lot mm. because I consider him as much a creator of the tone of this film mm. as Fulci. This is their, you know, ultimate yeah. collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the main reason I was so drawn to this film the first time I saw it was because of his performance. It's he, great. He is it's so good. Great. And it's it's quite weird as well. Like, it's just very... It's an amazing performance. He's mm. one of the best things about the film is is his performance. So, yeah, I, I watched quite a few interviews with him yeah. trying to, like, work out how he came to this, this film. Mm. And he's a really very cool guy. He's still alive. Okay. He's, well, at least touch wood at the time of recording this, he's 89 years old. And every interview I watched, he's just seems like such a cool guy. Right. Most interviews, he was wearing a cowboy hat as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> So what's what's he most uh, known for? All right. Well, to give a, a history of him. So he's been around since the 50s. Right. Been around for a very long time. And as a teenager, he worked as a page for Jack Benny. You know, the comedian, very, very, very famous comedian, Jack Benny. It's not <laughs> and, ringing any bells. <laughs> yeah. Like, just very famous, like, comedian of that time. So he worked for, for Jack Benny mm-hmm. just, you know, as an assistant at CBS. Mm. Benny and his wife really liked him and basically presented him to Universal Studios saying, like, you should hire this guy mm. as an actor. And they got him a contract at Universal Studios, which wow. is pretty amazing. So already he's got, like, quite an amazing, like, Hollywood connection there with Jack Benny. And this was, like, relatively early on in yeah, his career? Yeah, this is when he's, like, a maybe a teenager. Because so in this film we watched today, he must be in his late 40s. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, maybe 50s. late 40s, early 50s, yeah. something like that, yeah. So at this time he was maybe even, like, 17 or 18 or something mm. like that, very young. His name is actually not Brett Halsey. That's his stage name. Right. So when he joined Universal, his name was Charles Oliver Hand. That's his real name. Not as cool. No. And in in that kind of classic old Hollywood style, they were, they gave him a new name. Mm. So at, at this time, he was working for Universal and training to be a performer. And he acted in a lot of small parts. So he's in a Creature from the Black Lagoon sequel huh. uh, called Revenge of the Creature. But I think it's like a tiny role, like basically right. an extra and he was in a film called The Black Shield of Falworth. Falworth. Never heard of that. Didn't I didn't know that film either, but he worked with Janet Lee from Psycho. Oh. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis's yeah. mum. Yeah. <laughs> and he became good friends with Janet Lee hmm. and ended up naming his daughter after Janet Lee. So it's wow. like, what the hell? These crazy connections. <laughs> but then probably the most famous thing he's in. So his contract at Universal ended and he mm. just did a lot of small roles there. And then he went freelance and started acting in a lot of juvenile delinquent films. I guess, like, right. playing wayward teens and stuff. Yeah. But then he ended up getting one of the main roles in the Fly sequel, Return oh. of the Fly. So he is the fucking Fly in Return no of the Fly. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, so that's his, like, probably if you might have seen him in, in that if, you, if you've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. the Fly films. Yeah. When was the Fly sequel about? But we're talking about the the original Fly sequel. Yeah, the original <laughs> Fly sequel. So Vincent Price is yeah. in the sequel yeah, yeah. as well. The sequel is actually, when you see like parodies of mm. the Fly, it's often the sequel that they're doing the parody of. Like right. the sequel's the one that's in black and white. Mm. It's like very high. Like they're both campy, but that's extra campy. If you look up Brett Halsey, the Fly, you'll see his little face on the, on oh, the Fly. I'm going to have to revisit that. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was um, one of his big early kind of roles. Mm. So after that, in the the 60s, he got invited over to Italy to make a film. 
And that was just kind of it for him. He he stayed there for about 15 years mm. just in Italy as an actor. He was in everything from like swashbuckling pirate kind of films, Italian westerns, and then eventually spaghetti horror, <laughs> Italian horror. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that that's how he got into Italy. And I loved hearing his stories about making films in Italy are just so great. Do you, do you know much about Italian film productions and how much I of a fucking nightmare they I can't imagine are? that would be very well put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are spot on about that. Yeah. So he said that the Italians were just so disorganized. Mm. Like they'd be, they'd go to set and they'd be like really slowly filming and then be like, oh shit, we've only filmed like one scene. We've got so much more to do. And they'd be frantically rushing to do the rest. And they, they didn't give a shit about recording sound, okay. so they never recorded live sound. So he talked about doing one scene where five actors in the scene were all from different countries, all speaking different languages, and the director had dogs that were just barking the whole time because of the camera sound. <laughs> what? <laughs> he also talks about stunts in Italy, like Italian yeah. stuntmen had no fucking idea what they were doing. Oh. And he would often end up just doing the stunts because he was trained at Universal to do mm. stunts. So he'd like step in and be like, this guy's going to die if he does yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. Well, it sounds like the Wild West. <laughs> pretty amazing mm. uh, life to lead there. So he's in Italy for a long time. Uh, he tried to go back to Hollywood, but in Hollywood, no one gave a shit about all his work mm. in Italy. So, he, yeah, he couldn't really get much off the ground. I guess there. he already made a name and a network for himself there. So Yeah. So, so how, how long was he in Italy for then? It- he said, like, about 15 years. And then I, I guess he, he went back to America yeah. and then would keep going back to Italy to do more production because oh, okay. he'd get invited back. Mm. In the 80s, 1986, he was in The Devil's Honey which is the first time he worked with uh, Fuji. Mm. Have you seen that film? It's like a sexy erotic. I have not Fulci. seen a sexy erotic film from Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great film, actually. Is it? I highly recommend The Devil's Honey. It's really good. The Devil's Honey. Yeah, sounds the Devil's so Honey. Yeah. Halsey's like, yeah, he, Fuji was a great technician, but had no idea how to work with actors. Uh. And uh, yeah, the actors kind of had to work with him. Mm. So Halsey recognizes Fulci's flaws, but he did like him mm. quite a lot. So that's why he continued to work with him. Yeah, he ended up making Touch of Death and then Demonia with mm. him as well. I've got a, a pretty fun quote from Halsey about working with Fulci. So this is on Touch of Death. Uh, he says, I got along very well with Fulci. Uh, we had a meeting of the minds, you might say. Many people found him to be mean and difficult. I can remember one day coming to work and I could hear him yelling and yelling. And then he came to me and said, oh, hi, Brett. How are you? And I said, fine. And then the next minute he starts yelling again. (laughs) (laughs) I think he he treated Halsey really well for whatever reason. And you hear that a lot about Fulci. There were certain people that Mm. he just got along well with. But yeah, the, the main reason I wanted to talk about Halsey so much is that he is the reason this film is a black comedy. So the script was a normal horror film. Right. It was not meant to be funny at all. But when Halsey came on, he he was like, I want to do something different with this. Right. And Fulci just was like, yeah, you know what? Go for it. Mm. You can do it. And he like gave him a lot of leeway in his performance. Essentially, Halsey basically directed the comedy scenes that are in Interesting. This. So sorry, sorry. 
you just said, but what, one more time, what was this supposed to be originally? What just, kind of movie was it? Just a normal horror film, basically. Wow. And then he completely, Halsey was the one that kind of pushed it towards what it is. Yeah. And honestly, like, thank God he did, because I think it makes it so much more interesting. Yeah, without the comedy element in this film, this would not have been anywhere near as <laughs> yeah. entertaining as yeah. it was. It just adds so much That's to it. That's funny, because I remember, sorry if I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I remember uh, when we are doing the, um, the Murder Secret, and you're talking about the Fulci comedies um, that he's done, and I was thinking, like, I really don't fancy watching a comedy directed yeah. by Fulci. But I was watching this and I was like, if this is what Fulci <laughs> can do with a comedy, like, this is great. I need to go back and watch all of the other comedies. But now you're telling me that it's actually uh, the other guy. It's the main actor. Yeah, he he really, he, he brought it to this film. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you can tell when he talks about this film uh, much more than his other Fulci films. He really likes this film mm. and he loves the kind of absurdism on mm. it. So I see this film as a Fulci film, but also as a Brett Halsey film as yeah. well. Interesting. There is there is one thing about this film though yeah. that I think is a hundred percent Fulci. I, I want to talk about it maybe after we talk about the film itself. Mm. But the one thing in this film that is a hundred percent Fulci is the way it it represents women and <laughs> Fulci's problems with women okay but i want to talk about that more towards the end (laughs) all right okay all right so that's the production history shall we get into the film itself oh why don't we yes i i I watched this film twice me too um i watched it in italian text you after i was like dave that was fucking amazing and you're like yeah right you watch it in English, right? Like, no, I didn't know there's a fucking another English track on it. So I, I did, I did a, I did a double run of it both times. Laughed my ass off. Which uh, did you prefer, the Italian or English? I mean, Italians. I, I feel like the English is just so funny that that's why I, mm, I wanted you to watch it in English. I guess, uh, like you just said, the productions they didn't record any sound on set, so either way it would have been like overdubbed. Mm. Either way, it's like it's like a kind of bit of a stiff dub where it doesn't really sync up. So yeah, it yeah. could have been anything. <laughs> it could have been in bloody. Chinese, I don't think I would have noticed much. It is a weird thing, right? Because, like, Halsey is American mm. and would have been speaking English on set. Mm. And everyone else is, I guess, speaking English, but with Italian accents. Mm. And then they dub them in English. So, yeah. But saying that, did you notice? Like, so so I watched the um, the English dub, the, the English version, the second time round. And even the English version starts in Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did I, you notice yeah, that? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? So I text the English channel and it starts off with an italian commentary <laughs> yeah, yeah. which then suddenly snaps to english yeah, yeah, yeah. what the hell is going on yeah I, that was very confusing for me as well yeah. yeah i can't remember on the dvd if it was like that as mm. well but yeah i'll have to ch- have to check but yeah i love the the way this opens i was watching this with my partner tana and we're like what's wrong with the sound and we we're like pumping up the volume because yeah. the titles are just dead silent oh yeah <laughs> and then suddenly it just like blasts <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we've got this silent title sequence. Then finally, we kick into our first shot, which is on this driveway, mm. sort of moving down towards this house. And as you say, we we first hear Italian mm. that then switches into English, but we're basically hearing the sound of a radio giving horse racing That's right, stats, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's like a thing that we hear throughout it, just yeah. constant... Horse riding. Horse racing yeah. commentary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And going towards a beautiful house as well. Yeah, really strange house as mm. well. Like beautiful and quite bizarre, like the layout of the mm. house. 
But the um, way that it's shot, because it's all like handheld, mm, like mm. like purposely shot in the way yeah. that it's supposed to be, like almost like a, a like a Halloween esque intro of someone approaching the house, like mm, through mm. their um their vision, yeah, which really was kind of not necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, that I was as thinking well. like, is this like a stalker type yeah, thing? Yeah, Someone's yeah. approaching the house. There's gonna be a woman in the shower. She's gonna get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like some guy, I don't know, holding the camera, walking around. It is really weird. I I thought the same thing. So it's a very ugly cheap looking shot it's not like a typical like smooth moving mm. full cheek sort of shot very wobbly and you're like yeah exactly that i thought exactly the same thing like it's like a halloween opening mm. but there's no payoff to yeah. It. yeah i mean i guess maybe you, you could argue like it fits into the themes later in oh, the film maybe, maybe but that might bloody be a bit shadow with a camera <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so we get into the house the radio is getting louder we meet our hero mm. lester inside the house lester anti-hero anti-hero played by brett halsey and i love there's like this shot that we see quite a bit where we're hearing the sounds of the horse racing mm. stuff on the radio and then it zooms in on his ear as he's listening to it <laughs> it's just really weird just such a strange strange shot mm. Yeah, he, he's going through the, the house, just walking around. Then he's got some a hunk of meat. He's like eating the biggest slab of steak I've ever yeah, seen in my life. Very bloody. And he's like cooking it on this like little cooker thing on yeah. this saucepan. Already, I fucking love his performance because <laughs> he's so pompous. Like mm. he plays this role like such a, he's such a cunt, right? Yeah. He's got this little smirk on his face and he's like breathing in the meat all like, <laughs> you know, like this sort of rich pompous guy smirking. <laughs> the whole way through oh yeah oh it's so funny he's eating that steak blue he's literally just <laughs> see have you ever had a blue steak before what's that it's like uh, so that's you know you got like rare right yeah, yeah. but then the the a grade above rare is blue mm. and it's literally you just sheer the sear the outsides of it right it's right completely yeah, yeah. raw in the middle yes. so he's eating this steak blue yeah <laughs> and watching the grossest woman on tv i've ever seen in my life <laughs> That, this is like the beginning of the intense misogynist yeah. sort of stuff in this. So all the women in this film have been made up to look absolutely horrible. And yeah, there's this very strange video of this yeah woman that he's watching. It, it's like all like home video sort of footage. And it's really sexual, she's right? She's like dancing, she's naked. stripping and like moaning as well. Oh. Yeah, and she, she's been, like, given, like, a facial mole and stuff. There's, like, a lot of weird, you know, makeup added to mm. her. And, uh, yeah, Les is like, good morning. It's <laughs> a video. Fucking hell, she could scare a police horse. <laughs> Jesus Christ, she was grim. It's quite full. And I don't think, it's not like the actress is, like, a no. hideous person. It's just the film has made her yeah. look comically awful. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like a cartoon. Yeah. And he's watching this gross-ass woman, like, dancing naked, blowing kisses at him on TV, whilst eating this, like, raw bit of meat. What an opening. <laughs> it's a it's a knockout of an opening. And that's when we meet is, uh, uh, is mate. Reginald. Reginald, the yeah. cat. So, yeah, there's a cat that uh, we see quite a lot, and he, he gives the cat some meat. Oh, yeah. And uh, do you remember what he says? Oh, what does he say? Don't worry, Reginald, you'll always get your cut. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> So then, uh, I quite I, I love Reginald. I love Reginald, but there's one thing I hate about this film that involves oh, Reginald, which oh, we'll, yeah. we'll get to later. Yeah. But um, yeah, then after the 
the video. Sorry. In a sentence that just sounded so funny. <laughs> one, one thing in this film that involves Reginald. <laughs> <laughs> just, it just dawned on me what a ridiculous yeah. name that is for a cat. <laughs> it is a, a hilarious Reginald. name. You if always I, get your cut, Reginald. <laughs> if I get another cat, I'm going to name, name him Reginald, Reginald for sure. So the, the horse racing stats kind of thing like kicks in again as he's eating that steak. As he's eating, mm. we get a fucking cool shot. Like, so we've had that ugly handheld shot, but now we get this kind of beautiful, either dolly or steady cam mm. shot, like moving away from him as he's eating and then down the hallway, mm. going down in this, uh, I don't know how you describe the music, classic, like 80s horror kind of music mm. playing. The composer of this film, by the way, his, his name's Carlo Maria Cordio. I looked up his credits. So many fucking shitty Italian films, including Troll 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's funny, like, all the, everyone that's worked on this has, like, worked on so mm. many other films of this time. It's just, like, Italian cinema of this time is just so incestuous, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the camera goes down some stairs, and, like, now it's suddenly handheld, so it's very ugly at this point. Mm. And we go into this basement. Mm. The door opens... And what do we see down there? Well, we see a corpse of a woman on a kind of almost like a dissection table, isn't mm. it? We can see a big chunk has been cut out of her upper, like her thigh area. Mm. And that's when I was like, oh, that's the girl from the TV. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't actually realize it the first time <laughs> I, oh, I watched right, right. it. Because I didn't know like where that, why she had a, a bit of a leg missing. I thought, because it, yeah. it kind of looked just like a wound. It didn't like a cut mark the way it was kind of, yeah. the, the way the special effects were done. And I was like, oh my God, he's eating yes. her. Yes. He's eating her. What a reveal. It's so fuck. So yeah, yeah, exactly as you say, you like see that chunk of flesh and it's like, oh my God, that's... The steak yeah. that he was eating, and, and he's feeding to it. Reginald. Reginald, yeah, Reginald's, Reginald's eat, eating, eating a human woman. woman. Oh um, my god! I love though when they reveal the chunk of flesh mm. missing, we get the most classic Fulci shot. So, you know, whenever there's like gore in a Fulci film, mm. he just zooms in. Oh yeah, yeah, and there's like this big zoom into the that Fulci chunk. zoom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And then we got classical music playing, <laughs> and it's ridiculous. The music is so <laughs> ridiculous. This is like whimsical <laughs> classical music. Like you said, but he, he's he's so pompous, like you yeah. said. He's like listening to this classical music. Mm, looking at this, <laughs> looking at this woman with a fucking leg missing, yeah. and pulls out a bloody chainsaw. Yeah, so he's like finished his steak, I guess. That's a lot of meat to yeah. eat. <laughs> fucking smash up. down. Then yeah, comes in whistling and humming along and like kind of <laughs> bobbing his head to this music. So I guess music is is like listening to in the scene. Yeah, energetic somehow. Yeah, he pulls out a chainsaw and we get this absolutely fucked, like really vicious yeah. of him chopping this body up. Yeah. It's quite quite sick. It it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's literally just cutting all her limbs off, cutting her in half, cutting the head. Does, does he do the head as well? Yeah, yeah, he does I know it he all. cuts straight through her abdomen. Yeah, he, he chops off all her limbs and then... Yeah, and the whole time this music's playing and he's just like, it's almost like he's smelling his own farts whilst he's cutting her into pieces. <laughs> he's loving it. And I was going to ask, so is this the same guy who did the special effects for The Murder Secret? Yes, it is. I was actually just about to say that. So could, could you tell it was like quite... So, similar yeah and 
the way you put it last time, you said there's a there's an ugliness to his mm. special effects, and that was so apparent. In yes. this show. it yeah. is really grimy and gross. Yeah, his name is uh, yeah Pino Ferranti. Right. So he did most of Fulci's stuff of this time period, and mm. yeah, there's just a, an ickiness to it, right? Yeah, it's it, a, oh, some irksomeness. It's, yeah, it's very irksome. <laughs> I, I have one little running thing I'm, I want to do throughout this. So, do you know the IMDb goofs section? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the There's, goof section. Oh, it's so funny. Because, like, often they're just, like, they're not really goofs, mm. right? It's, like, just stupid shit mm, that's, mm. like, not a goof. So, <laughs> the goof... There's a lot of goofs for this film that I found very funny. Here's one goof for this scene. Uh, woman mutilated with a chainsaw at the start of the movie is obviously replaced with a clearly fake doll when violence is shown. What? It's like, is that a goof? I've never <laughs> seen anything like that in a goof section. That's the, ridiculous. The goof section is just full of, like, these sort of, yeah, annoying nerds, That's I guess, so making comments dumb. like that. Often you see, like, stuff like the boom mic dips into frame yeah, or like, something. That's a yeah, goof. yeah. Okay, that's a goof. Yeah. Not like, oh, that's clearly not a real person getting cut up with a chainsaw. So I got, I got a I few. That, I've that got a guy few who goofs. wrote that's a fucking goof. <laughs> Hope he doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> so yeah, he chops the buddy's limbs off, chops her in half down the middle. Mm. Then we cut to him sort of pushing her guts through this meat grinder. <laughs> and he's like humming along yeah. to the movie soundtrack. <laughs> So so absurd, and then he he takes all the the guts that mm. he's ground up in a bucket. Mm. Also, one thing just to go back to him chopping up that was that was quite funny when I was watching the, this with Tana. She's like, he's a he doesn't have a drop of blood on him. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like perfectly managed to avoid getting messy. There's <laughs> clearly nothing going on under the camera. Yeah, 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 exactly. But anyway, so yeah, he takes the the guts out to the to a barn, yeah. and there's all these uh, these pigs. Apparently, he has pigs. <laughs> He's got these dirty pigs, and he uh, oh poor pigs. I shouldn't call them dirty pigs. Well, it just gave me a flashback to um, what was that awful movie we watched where all those pigs got horribly oh, killed? Red spells, oh, spells red. Oh god, poor pigs. Poor pigs. Anyway, luckily these pigs, nothing bad happens to them. But he throws all the meat guts mm. out for the pigs. And one thing I found really funny that I've always noticed every time I watch this film, I forget and it makes me laugh again. In amongst all the meat, there's like oranges. Is there? <laughs> so it's like clearly, clearly like the pigs were not yeah. keen to eat some meat. So they've like put some like fruit in there to get the pigs oh. all like, now that's a goof. You can put that in the IMDb goofs. <laughs> it's not only guts, there's oranges in the meat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you, the pigs are chowing down on that that those uh dirty guts mm. and um lester's like we all get a fair share beautiful opening yeah very knockout very, um, opening yeah knockout opening and very a lot of communist kind of vibes in this opening <laughs> feeding reginald we all get our share yeah that sort of stuff doesn't really come back that's, that's what again. i was gonna say there's a lot of like half-baked ideas in here <laughs> because Definitely. him yeah. apparently being a cannibal that never comes back into play yeah yeah and the pigs, we never see them again. <laughs> yeah, he never true. he never cuts up any other bodies. That is so this true. Yeah. It seems to be just like a lot of stuff for these like this one particular scene, but never many recurring things like that. You're yeah, you are spot on, definitely. Yeah, that is so true. I didn't even think about the the cannibal thing. The mm. fact that that doesn't come back. It's so subtle. Like they don't yeah. make a deal out of him 
eating people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like he's just trying to dispose of the body, but he does seem to be really enjoying he's loving that it. steak. Yes, th- this film, there's a lot of very odd shifts and changes throughout it. It's a bit of a mess. It's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a bit of a mess. Oh, it's it's a mess, yeah. <laughs> I Talking about messes, I found this next bit quite a mess. Mm-hmm. I was very confused. So the house that we've been in, yeah. that's Lester's house because yeah. we see it throughout it. But then we see him in his car mm. and in the window, there's a horse racing pamphlet. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so he's going to the tracks, I guess, mm. to watch a horse race. Maybe, but, but he drives. I don't know. Home. And then he's just home he dri- again. Yeah. So I, I, I could not. Fathom yeah, what was going I um on. I thought that a lot throughout this movie. Like, so wait, why is he here now? Mm. Like, where are we? It is a bit confusing. Yeah. yeah, on on the second viewing, I was like, wait, was the beginning meant to be that woman's house? But no, it's not because we see it yeah. throughout it as mm. his house. But anyway, very confusing. But he's back at the house. He's back home. So that was totally pointless. Him driving somewhere, <laughs> and we see a painting of his dead wife, mm. Eunice Parson, and uh, he says good morning to it. Good morning, my adorable little wife, I think he says. <laughs> and he opens up the painting, sort of pulls the painting out, and mm. there's a, a hidden safe classic, behind it. Classic yeah. safe behind the painting. Mm. And he takes a bunch of money out of the safe and then is looking at that yeah, horse racing pamphlet that mm. he's got. And he calls up his bookie, Randy. Randy the bookie. <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines is him talking to this, this bookie. Mm. He says, Well, of course I'm recording our call. Why should I trust a crook like you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he makes all these bets over the phone, and they're like big bets. Yeah, like five thousand bucks on oh, yeah. multiple horses, right? I love it. Back when like making bets by phone was a thing. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's also something that pops up a few times. And like, oh yeah, that was yeah, that was a yeah, thing yeah. back in the day before the internet. And <laughs> yeah, so he he makes a few bets. Turns on the TV mm. and sees something quite interesting on the TV. Ah, so there's a TV report mm. and it's the discovery of a woman's body. It's the widow of a famous jeweler and we see her picture mm. and that's the woman yeah. who's just been fed to up. the pigs. Fed to the pigs, yeah. Eaten by Reginald. It's a weird moment, right? So we we see they're saying they found the, the remains of this local woman mm. and Lester's just shocked yeah. by this because he's chopped her up yeah and eaten her yeah and fed him to his pigs and cats and who knows what else very strange but they found the remains of her body what somewhere. the hell is going on so he's in shock mm. and he has a way of coping with his shock right yeah i found very interesting <laughs> and kind of like our first glimpse into his madness mm. which i liked so he has tape recordings of himself Mm. talking yeah it's and not it's not really confirmed that it's him right we but it is his voice it's his voice and he's kind of we kind of only assume he's recorded his voice being his kind of partner in consultation mm. so he's like oh but what does he say he's like oh they have found the bodies like don't worry they won't find you and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he basically yeah he hits play on this tape recorder and mm. we hear that music again yeah right? which is part of the recording too <laughs> and he's like how how like how did this happen what's mm. going on and the voice just keeps telling him like like no 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 don't don't worry like mm. it's just a coincidence it's mm. another woman they were just two rich widows you know they both got dismembered but don't worry it's mm. just a coincidence 
And Lester's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, I loved it because it's kind of like he's his own voice of reason. Yeah, and he's trying yeah. to like persuade himself he's mm. all right when he's clearly going mad. Yeah, it's a very interesting trope throughout it. Yeah. Also, just back to the the TV reporter mm. as well briefly. Did you recognize who that was? No. So the the newscaster is someone we've we've met before Ooh. in the murder secret. So that's played by, by Maurice Polly, okay. who is Thomas, the caretaker in the oh, murder secret. Thomas. Yeah. And not our first connection to the murder secret. We're going to meet someone else later. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, Thomas, he's, he's the maggot kisser, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the maggot, oh. maggot kissing man. And now he's here <laughs> doing yeah. news. And he's it, a new it's broadcaster. Such a, such a weird role. Like, very small, very well, small role. He did well for himself, didn't he? He got from maggot kissing to <laughs> reporting the news. <laughs> But yeah, so he has this weird back and forth with the tape recording. Hits stop. The music stops as well when he hits stop. Mm. So it's kind of <laughs> confirmed that that weird tune is like part of the film. <laughs> it's just, just playing in all the rooms oh, wherever he so, goes. So weird. But we cut quite harshly mm. to him in this sort of weird walking towards this weird abandoned building. Yeah, yeah he knocks on this door in this abandoned kind of big sort of building and is let into this room and he enters this room and there's a, a guy on a computer mm. and the other guy is Randy played by Al Cliver mustache man that I mentioned before. Oh yeah. So yeah. Ra- uh, just quickly about um, Al Cliver, just a little tangent on him. So this, this is stuff I didn't know about him. So this is really interesting for me because I always see him in Fulci films. Mm. Al Cliver is not his real name. I always thought he was American. Right. But he, he is an Italian actor. His real name is Pierre Luigi Conti. That's different. Yeah, very different. <laughs> but one thing I found fascinating about him, because his voice is always the same in every mm. film that he's in. And he always, I guess, just by chance, got dubbed by the same American actor. Nick Alexander would always dub him in is his that films. A th- is that a thing by chance? Is that not decided? I, I don't know, that's but bizarre. like I think that's quite a rare kind oh. of occurrence. So I'm like, fuck. So that wasn't his real voice this whole time. Interesting. Kind of blew my mind. But yeah, he's in so many Fulci films. Yeah. So as we said before, Fulci, very grumpy mm. on set, maybe not a pleasant person to work with. Yet Clivo just kept working with him right until the end. Yeah. And yeah, he, he says in an interview that Fulci would be abusive, unpleasant, shouted everyone, yet he still gave me a phone call whenever he needed something. So for some reason, like he just knew that Al Cliver could handle him at his worst, basically. Right. It was so, one of the few that actually yeah, got on with yeah. him. Or, mm. I think maybe they didn't get on, but but Cliver just dealt with him. And right. just, yeah, so Fulci kind of relied on him quite a lot. Mm. But anyway, Lester comes in. These are his bookies, right? His uh, his horsemen. <laughs> Textbook bookies. They, they got the whole, like, very stereotypical bookie outfit down to a fine tee, hasn't he? <laughs> Look who's here. I was just wondering to myself if Lester Parson could pick the winner in a one-horse race, even if it were fixed. <laughs> Randy's just, like, bullying Lester from the beginning, just laughing at his his shitty ability to pick horses. That's a, he's, a, he's a born loser, apparently, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> Oh, and man. so Randy's like, yeah, you owe me money, all this sort of stuff. Lester gives him a big stack of money mm. that we assume that he's stolen from that woman that he's murdered. Al Cliver takes the, the like, stack of money and bites it. It's like, that's not, that's not something you do. <laughs> that's not a thing. Yeah, Le- Lester starts asking Randy for more credit. Mm-hmm. Randy's like, nope, no way, you, you, 
yeah, you're not to be trusted. Mm. And then a helicopter starts flying overhead. We hear the sounds of a helicopter and Randy and his mate that's in there on the computer, they start freaking out and they mm. pack up and just run off, leaving Lester yeah, alone. That, that was very this, confusing, this wasn't it? Yeah. That was, it does come back later, but I was like, what's what's happening now? Yeah. yeah. Strange. Oh, dear. So he's, he's, put, he's put, um, put a big bet on or paid back some debts or whatever. Mm. But either way, we know now he's shit at gambling and he loses all the time. He's a big time loser. He is. Old Lester. He is. <laughs> but then we get... One of my favorite scenes. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, not not my not the the best scene, but one of my favorite like reoccurring tropes of this movie, mm. which is of him at home scrolling through the dating <laughs> yes! ads and reading the dating <laughs> ads like out yeah. loud, out loud, oh, or in his so voice good. or something. And uh, so he's 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 at home scrolling through the dating ads. And you get the voiceover. And Letty's like, I'm still what you call a very attractive woman. I'm financially well off. Will I ever find my soulmate? And and he's there like, Oh, you found him, my dear. You found him. And then we just cut to the most jarring cut oh, ever yes. of a fucking bearded lady. <laughs> And he's like kissing her hairy face and the tits, and he's like just clearly repulsed, grimacing while she's orgasming out his fucking big old hairy beard. Oh, darling. Oh, oh, oh my god. Oh, Lester. I love you, darling. It's so full on, that cut. It, it's so bizarre. Yeah, because it, it cuts straight to her face. Yeah. Like, moaning. Mm. And as you say, she's got a mustache and a, <laughs> and a, and a beard, like a light beard. Yeah. And her, her her boobs are, like, covered with, like, hairy moles. Yeah. So they've just made up this woman so ridiculously, like, horrendously yeah. ugly, ugly makeup. Mm. And... Yeah, he's kissing, kissing her, hating it, and picking hairs out of his teeth. <laughs> but his performance in this is so funny. Yeah. Like, you really buy his utter oh, disdain. His face is so believable. He is like, I am not enjoying, enjoying this. But I love it, just like, the the, the, the transition from that. And he's, he sounds so confident in the way he speaks, yeah. which he does throughout the whole film. He's like, ah, oh, you already found him, my dear. <laughs> and then he's just like, Ugh! like we cut to him just like heaving, pulling out fucking pubes from his teeth. It's gross. Oh, did did you recognize the woman? No. So the actress in this is Sasha Darwin, who is Aunt Martha from the Murder Secret. Oh, of course she was. Yeah. Ah. So we've got two two murder secret. Jesus, uh, the maggot face lady. Yeah, the maggot face lady. So. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, uh, so she doesn't normally have a beard. They've they've made her up to, mm. to look like this. Yeah. And um unless it's recording it as well. Yeah, he's like she's like moaning and going nuts and we see like a video camera mm. recording the whole thing. Again, as you said, a lot of half-baked ideas. Because yeah, that's not a recurring that doesn't ever come back. Why is he recording it? We don't know. No. It, he's only just making evidence against yeah. himself. <laughs> it's true. It's not helping him. And it's not like he doesn't even enjoy looking at these women because no. they're so like repulsive looking. So it's not like he's going to like watch them and like fucking jerk off to them later. He's, yeah. he's just going to see himself picking out pubes from his teeth <laughs> kissing this bearded lady. There's but, no point in recording it. Yeah, I, it's, it is so weird. Like it's such a bizarre detail to add in. Mm. But I also love it as well. Like, it's just so strange. Like, what? why did they choose to mm. do that? 
Yeah, so after this horrendous uh, beard-kissing scene, uh, we cut back into the, the living room area. Oh. And then this, <laughs> this scene is... Oh, my God. I think this is the moment for me where I'm like, this is a special film. Yeah, yeah. Because it is insane, this sequence. So the this bearded widow, rich widow, Margie is her name, she's dancing about really drunk mm. and Lester's like spinning her around <laughs> until she gets dizzy <laughs> and he, he sits her down and the way this is shot so fucking jarring because mm. he's doing I can't remember what you call it but you know when you track in and zoom out yeah, or vice yeah. versa so it's got this like really dizzying mm. Mm. kind of effect to, to the scene I loved how long this <laughs> yes, scene so was long. As you just mentioned, his facial expressions yeah, it's are just so amazing. You really feel mm. his disdain and just like, what's the phrase? He's just had enough. Yeah, he's, he's so exhausted. clearly not enjoying this and you just feel all the pain in his face. It's like pure, yeah, like exhaustion in yeah. this situation, right? So, th- yeah, this is the first of an extended kind of comedy mm. sequence. Mm. This basically comedy murder attempt sequence. <laughs> As she's, like, drunk and making all kinds of weird moans and stuff, he's trying to pour her a glass <laughs> of champagne yeah. and poison it. Mm. <laughs> so, she sat on the sofa, pissed out of her mind, and he's like, oh, let me fetch you a drink, darling. Yeah. And he kind of does this dance over to the oh, drink yeah. cabinet, and he's, like, kind of, like flinging his arms yeah. back and forth and he's like grooving over to it and and every time he keeps having to go back and forth and his dance kind of gets a little yeah. less kind of motivated each time but he's still kind of half like flailing his arms dancing over his performance is fucking great mm. like it is really genuinely genuinely funny what he, what he's doing mm. yeah so he he poisons the the champagne and brings it over he's just sort of desperately trying to make her drink but she just won't shut up yeah, she's yeah. just like talking non-stop what does he say he's like oh, I, I'm, I'm trying to seduce you that's why I'm uh, getting you to drink and she's like oh but you've already seduced me and then he makes some kind of comment of like what he's got in store like yeah, some yeah, sexual yeah. play he's got in store and that's enough for her to get so excited that she smashes the drink down <laughs> and like this is my favourite moment of his performance when she smashes the drink his face <laughs> This look of rage, but like kind of bottled in anger yeah. on his face. Oh, it's, it's so perfect. And, that's it. and he's like, oh, don't worry, let me fetch you another. And he kind of, and yeah. he does that little yeah. like dance walk back to the drink cabinet. <laughs> so he, he pours her another, but she's like demanding that he has one too. When he agrees to have one himself, he's like smiling at her and then turns his face away. And the change in his face oh, is, oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. He brings over... The other, like, the the next two drinks. One's poisoned. Then she asks for a cigarette. He's like, all right, fine. And he he lights, (laughs) he's got, puts the two cigarettes in his mouth. And he's lighting the two. And then as he's lighting them, he looks over to her. And she's got the two drinks in her hand, sort of mixing them up back and forth. And there's the the number one funniest shot of the film. His face staring at her with the two cigarettes (laughs) hanging out of his mouth is fucking amazing it's great because you basically you get the Fulci zoom yeah. and it's into his face and he's gobsmacked with these two cigarettes <laughs> hanging down looking like fucking walrus tusks oh, cannot believe what he's seeing oh it's so fucking funny it's such a great shot which is the one I gave you oh what is it man 
it or I don't know, one of the two of them. Come on, darling. Here's to us. And then eventually he's like, all right, you've been drinking too much. How about I make you a bicarbonate soda? (laughs) (laughs) I say, is that enough? And he's again getting increasingly annoyed, starts poisoning the the soda. Still still dancing. (laughs) He he brings it over to her dancing. And he forces her to drink this this poison drink, holding her nose, and she she's gulping it down. But immediately, she starts reacting and feeling sick and runs over to the bathroom. And he's like, God damn it, smashes the glass. And then um, it just cuts to her in the bathroom just puking. Mm. And it's the grimmest, ugliest shot of vomiting I think I've ever seen. It's just so harsh. Like, the lighting's really bright. And mm. it's just so gross. Oh, man. So funny. Lester takes out a massive stick yeah. like a big club kind of stick oh, sort of yeah. out of nowhere goes into the bathroom she sees the stick starts freaking out and he just pummels her with this this stick and we've gone from this ridiculous comedy scene to such a <laughs> fucking violent scene this scene is probably the most violent scene of the whole film oh yeah it, it is it, and it's so long it's outrageous yeah. it, it is angrily violent mm. it's a it's a scene that feels full of fucking rage mm. and hatred it's it's quite full-on yeah he smashes her on the head and she she runs away they do the psycho music yeah yeah or, or, or a rendition of yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's running down the hallway dude and he's chasing her <laughs> yeah. with this big old stick i was like come on they can't do that <laughs> which also kind of goes back to yeah, the right? they do the yeah, side yeah. the shower don't they but like the did you see her when she trips over mm. that's like the most painful looking fall i think i've ever seen oh. on film because it's it's the actress doing yeah, 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 yeah. It. and it looks awful like when she falls i like it made me like gasp watching it <laughs> like a back-breaking moment but yeah he she's on the ground and he just starts hammering her mm. her head and like her skin's like ripping off i said and every then, time the stick impacts her face it rips another chunk yeah. of her face off her eyeball it's pops so intense, out yeah her eye gets like knocked out of her head <laughs> Absolutely fucked. And there's that, yeah, there's a shot of, he, he like, whacks her on the forehead and it spl- like, kind of splits open yeah. and blood's, like, bursting out. It's, it's so intense. It's up. so intense. And it doesn't even stop there. Yeah. She still somehow runs to the kitchen. Yeah, Challenge. yeah. She's been poisoned. She's been poisoned. She's been battered to bits. Her eyeball's missing. Eyeball's gone. She's drenched in blood. Head like is whole, split open. Yeah, head yeah. split open. She runs into the kitchen the colors of this scene are so intense as well. It's like so garishly bright, almost like soap opera looking with these like bright mm. pinks and pastel blues. Like it's so ugly, ugly, ugly looking. But yeah, she's like run into the kitchen and he knocks her out, like punches her in the <laughs> face and then shoves her head into the oven yeah. <laughs> where she fucking melts. Her head melts. <laughs> it melts her to death. And you get the shot from inside the oven as you watch her face melt into nothing. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a scene. And here's my second IMDb goof for you. Oh, goof me up. When Lester shoves woman's head into the oven, it melts, which wouldn't happen because her skin instead would start to get burned. (laughs) Fuck. Whoever wrote that was a bloody goof. It is quite funny, though, that she she melts like a wax statue. I know. know. That's, That's not a real head. That's a bloody goof. That's, that's a goof. It's clearly a bloody mannequin or a wax yeah. head. Clearly this woman doesn't actually die. It's clearly not real. So he's melted her to death. 
after <laughs> bludgeoning and poisoning her to death also, wraps her up, puts her in the trunk of the car, which is another great scene. <laughs> Loved it. So I couldn't tell if you were going to love or hate this film because did. of scenes like this. I was cracking. Oh, that's good. I was that's good. absolutely lo- which is, is so good because after watching the murder secret where nothing happens. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this film has everything. Yeah. You got, you got the gore, you got the comedy. Well, that's about it really. <laughs> so he's got her wrapped in a bloody like carpet, mm. uh, puts her in the trunk and her legs keep popping out the top so he keeps putting one leg down and the next leg pops out so he put the next leg down then both the legs pop out and it's this ridiculous back and forth goes for ages it goes on for so long but every time you keep getting these like these shots of his face where he's really just like He's just had enough. He doesn't want to do this. He's so, <laughs> like, unenthusiastic about I know. And, and then the legs keep popping out, so he hammers them off. Yeah. He hammers I, off her foot. What What was that that he, he, like, has, like, this weird object and he just whacks off her feet? <laughs> it's so, so goofy. It's such Ugh. a dumb comedic moment, which yeah. could be in any <laughs> dumb comedy film. Yeah. But the fact <laughs> yeah, that we've, we've just seen... seen a woman get her head melted oh. off... The fact that it's in this scene directly after that yeah. is awesome. It's, it's so tonally insane. Yeah. This film is great. So, yeah, after this ridiculous comedy scene, he takes her to a construction site. Mm. He dumps her body and pours concrete all over it. Very sloppy mm. job. Not a, not, a good, uh, not a good body disposal. Yeah. And then as he drives off, a tramp, <laughs> a homeless man, <laughs> played by... Marco De Stefano. He's your mate from the extras. From the extras, yeah. He's in not not the Ricky Gervais show extras, but the (laughs) the extra features on uh, the Blu-ray. We yeah, yeah, we see this guy being interviewed as one of the two people getting interviewed in this feature. And he's a he's a kind of odd guy. He's got like a Charles Manson-esque symbol on his forehead. I thought that was just mud. I thought he was just a dirty homeless man. It's like a little symbol on his forehead. Really? I thought he was just dirty. I mean, it might be, but it's it's formed a weird Charles Manson-esque symbol <laughs> on his forehead. Yeah, so he's seen the the body dumping, basically. So then we we go back to, to Lester, and we do see a video again. So he's watching a video of uh, Margie, the, oh, bearded, the bearded, bearded lady. And she's in a, in a bathtub, just sort of babbling and moaning at the camera. It's very weird. And Lester, while this video is playing, he's looking through... This box of jewelry that he's stolen from her. And yeah, then he gets dressed in a suit, gets into his car. But who's in the bloody car? The bloody homeless man, Charles Manson. <laughs> oh, mate, Ma- what was his name? Marco De Stefano mm. is in there picking his nose in a very cartoonish kind of <laughs> kind of way, which I found quite funny. And the yeah, this tramp, he, he blackmails Lester mm. uh, and... Right after blackmailing him. So he blackmails him. Lester gives him some money. He's like, oh, thanks. Um, anyway, uh, how do I get back into town? <laughs> What's the way back to the city? Um, yeah, yeah. Lester, oh, through the forest, yeah, right? Go through that, you know, quiet little forest yeah. area. We cut to the tramp walking back through the woods. Mm. Suddenly a car comes blasting down. Lester's in the car chasing him down yeah. in the car. Psycho music playing. Yeah. <laughs> Over the top. And the... Yeah, the tramps just like running and running and running. This is the one one bit of interesting info I got in that ah. featurette. Uh, the tramp said that 
like Fulci loved this shot of the tramp running so much that he just kept filming it for ages and oh, really? and he never knew when the scene was going to shot end so he just like kept <laughs> running and running and he was just this absolute mess after it from all the running that he had to do <laughs> it was a pretty good shot at the camera like on the bonnet of the car and it's kind of like weaving back and forth it, and it swerving is, it is a good shot but every time I watch this film I'm like mate just run into the woods get off I the mean, road yeah <laughs> you would wouldn't you but yeah, eventually Lester hits him with the car and just like runs him over it, like, you know, over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again. This is very much a Blood Diner-esque moment. Yes. yes. Just keep going back and forth, back and forth until he's completely pulverized yeah. and his his guts are completely hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's done. He's, he's done. done for. And interestingly enough, this is the last bit of gore that we're going to see in the film. I was going to mention that. Like, We've still got 50 minutes left of the film. Yeah. That's the last time we see any gore. For a film that was so insanely gory for yeah. its first 30 minutes or so, that's it. That's yeah, which end. is a shame that it, it kind of just really dwindles down after this point. It changes a lot at this point. It becomes yeah. a very different sort of film. I still yeah. like it a lot, thanks to Brett Halsey's performance, mm. but, but there is no more... Was there a reason for that? Was it like budgetary or... Could be. I don't know. But I really felt that watching it this time. Yeah, like at the beginning, I'm like, fuck, this film is so great and Mm. so crazy. And then it does really kind of, yeah, take a bit of a... Mm. I still enjoy it, but it's not as fun as it is in that that first 30 It's really just the chainsaw scene, that hammer scene and the the oven. Like, they're they're running over as well. It's not... Yeah, it's nothing much, yeah. But those... Two scenes are so intense and so yeah. graphic that it, it's a shame that they mm. didn't continue on from here. It must surely it must have been budget because Fulci loves his gore. He he might have just run out. Maybe money. even regardless of like budgetary restraints, the the theme of the movie changes a lot from mm, here as mm. well. So maybe it would have been hard to keep on as we did like yeah, up until this point because it, it changes into a different movie it, get, it gets a bit a bit weird <laughs> it gets, it's not just a man killing people yeah. anymore it gets really it gets extremely <laughs> strange at yeah. this point so yeah he's, he's killed this this homeless guy and then we're back to him watching the news mm. got a, a different newscaster not murder secret guy he's talking about the body mm. of the bearded lady being found in her apartment mm. And it's describing the crime in detail. And then it, he, the newscaster also says there's a vagrant who helped give information, who's mm. in the hospital recovering. Yeah. So Lester's like, what the fuck's going on here? I, I liked that. I really liked that. Because we just mm. saw him get run over until his guts were hanging out. Yeah, yeah. But he, like, you know, he apparently survived with, with, with mm. mind injuries or whatever. And then you're like, wait, is that, could, he, could he have survived? And that was, yeah. it was great. Because you kind of second guess yourself as well as the viewer. I was like, well... Mm. I saw that he got run over, and I know that there was blood, but I don't know to what extent mm. he was really, really mm. run over by. Um, so yeah. it almost kind of made me second question, second guess myself mm. uh, as the viewer. I like we said about the tape as well. It's kind of those slight early insights of mm. Lester going mad. Yeah, I think a lot of this, it's like, well, is a lot of what we're watching not real as it in his mm. mind it's kind of like american psycho in a way right where it mm. doesn't give you the the whole story and this is where we get the first of the many witness descriptions <laughs> yeah. which i love yeah. this is the one reoccurring theme of this film which is absolutely oh, amazing there's a bit 
towards the end that's one of the funniest yeah. things oh, we'll, we'll get keeps, to that because it, it keeps <laughs> getting better and better so apparently there's a witness description from the homeless man and the killer is a tall man who wears circle rim glasses and he's got black hair mm. so Les is like oh fuck they're onto me yeah. I've got to change the way I look <laughs> so he puts in contacts shaves his beard and does he dye his hair that time not, not yet yeah. that's later but what I loved here is like now he actually looks like Brett Halsey so, right. like, once he shaved, it's like, oh, shit, there's Brett Howard. There's, <laughs> there's the guy I know. <laughs> so, right. yeah, he looks he looks really different. He really has, like, changed himself a mm. lot. Yeah. It's one of his, one of his first, uh, first of many transformations to <laughs> elude the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. love it. So, yeah, Lester, he's changed his appearance. He goes down to the docks. Yeah, he goes to, a, to like, a, a pawn shop sort of guy, like a guy... I don't know. It's very weird. It's just in the docks and he just yeah. goes and sees this guy and he's trying to sell him the jewelry mm. that he's stolen. And the guy's like, this stuff's all costume jewelry. Mm. It's the same sort of thing you get from a box of Cracker Jack. So he's like, nah, mate, we're not, I'm not buying this. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also odd. Like yeah. that's from the beard. He stole that from the bearded lady. It's just a strange. Isn't she supposed to be like a millionaire or something? <clears throat> Who knows? It's, it's, it's all very it's so pointless. odd. It's yeah. so pointless. I don't, I don't know if this was another one of like those like, early insights or preludes of him going mad mm. um but yeah it just didn't really make much sense but next we get my favorite scene of the whole film oh really what's oh, yeah. what's uh what's when, oh, when he's back to the dating apps oh just before we get there oh yeah can i just say an, a shot that i love oh was there one so just he's back in his car mm. going back to his house mm. and again we've got the horse riding playing and again we just get a zoom in on his ear <laughs> What's that? What, what are the ears I don't about? Know, it was just so strange. I'm just like, what? Why did they think that this was a good idea to zoom in <laughs> on his ear there? And and also in that bit where he's driving back, this is all shot in Italy, right? Mm. So shot like you know 20k around Rome, but they wanted to make it look like America. And uh, the AD in that ex- extra feature, he's like, yeah, we we changed all the signs, so all the signs you're seeing are American signs, right? And he's like so <laughs> he's like so proud of that in the extra feature, <laughs> and he's like, oh, it was very funny to do that. <laughs> I just thought that was a hilarious touch. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Sorry, oh, yeah. and then your favorite bit. So oh, back to the to the lonely yes. hearts column. Yeah, oh, I did. this scene had me dying. <laughs> I was fucking creasing up so bad. I have no idea. So Lester is back in his home reading the dating app se- section, and he, he you get another one of his um like um voiceover like in his head voiceovers, and it's Alice. Soprano who's tired of singing solos, seeking a tenor who'd like to perform songs and violent love. <laughs> and and then he goes, hmm. And he, he starts singing. He goes, oh, hmm. I'm sure she would prefer someone deeper than a tenor. It's a little too shrill, Reginald. A little too shrill, Reginald. <laughs> And then we cut to the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> so you got Alice, the um, the soprano, singing this really kind of like almost like f- operatic falsetto singing, just like ah, oh, it's awful. And <laughs> and he's kind of just looking at her, <laughs> and she's singing, and she fucking slaps him in the face. Yeah, gives him a big slap right across slap. his face. 
And and then and then he just starts slapping her, but she's still singing. Yeah, yeah. She's doing this ridiculous falsetto singing, and he's just slapping the shit out of her, <laughs> and uh, and still singing at the same time. And it was at this point, I was at home, and my partner walks into the room and just watches this thing. This woman singing, getting slapped in the face, and she's like, "What the fuck are you watching?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we, I guess, cut to their post love sleep. She's she's sleeping, mm-hmm. but she's still singing. She's sleep like singing. snore singing, yeah. but, and she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> so so stupid. I love Brett Halsey in this scene. His performance is so funny. He's just disgusted by her. Like every time she's like. Oh. He yeah. just looks over with this look of hate yeah. on his he's face. Like, oh, he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but it, that just, I mean, I don't know where the idea of someone's sleep singing came <laughs> from, but I remember watching, I was like, if this is Fulci's comedies, this is fucking amazing. And it's so, so stupid. Oh, dude, it, it, it cracked me up. So he, he's had enough. He goes um, to start, he starts like rummaging around her belongings and finds a, a whip. And he starts like tightening it around her throat, wrapping it around her, and she's still singing. She's going, yeah. and as he like pulls it taut, she goes really high pitch. <laughs> she's like, <"Whoa." laughs> and then chokes her off. But yeah, it's it's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's a very but yeah. This is like the beginning of it being. It's just not gory anymore, right? It's a very like bloodless, mm. pure, just dumb comedy death. <laughs> Yeah. Like, singing as she's getting struck. <laughs> Did you also I guess like you only knew this film as Touch of Death, right? Yeah, yeah. So as I as I said, the the other title, that Italian title, translates to When Alice Broke the Mirror. It's kind of confusing they've got this character called Alice. Yeah. But she's not an important character at all. Mm. Like I know that the title's like a reference to Alice in Wonderland, but it's like, why did you fucking name <laughs> A very unimportant character, Alice. <laughs> so that, that is a, that is a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, you know, but you do get those things like when someone has like really shrill, high pitched singing and like the windows break mm. and stuff. I wonder if it's taken from that. But even so, she's such an unimportant character. Yeah, it's such a minor <laughs> scene, right? Like it's yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah, he's he's murdered her, and I guess he's in her house because mm. then he's yeah rummaging around and yeah finds her money hidden in a pool table mm. sort of lifting off the the ends of the table and pulling out this these stacks of of money but yeah then we, we've got this weird moment where after he's found the money there's a pile of cards mm. on the table and he flips one over and it's the ace of spades and his reaction i don't know how to describe it but he's like at first, a bit surprised, yeah. and then he's like, "Yeah," he's just kind of shrugs. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had to look this up because I'm like, "What? I don't. Is this a famous thing? This is that- card of death or something?" Oh yeah, so yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize. So like, yeah, Ace of Spades, it, like, yeah, means like bad luck or death. Mm. Yeah, I, I had no idea about ah. that. Yeah, I'm just. So like, I was just like, why, why does this matter? That it's, yeah, that yeah. It's, 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 they kind of make a point out of it, but then they brush that point <laughs> off really quickly. He's like, eh, whatever. He just shrugs. It's so yeah. funny. I guess that does kind of sum up his character. He's just like permanently going down this path of destruction very mindlessly. Mm. And then we get another ridiculous, ridiculous scene. So he's murdered Alice Mm. and he's got her in the car next to him. Mm. 
And we've got this really long shot of her, like, constantly, her body sort of flopping down. Mm. And he's having to lift her up or her eyes are opening or her mouth is hanging open. And it just goes for fucking ages. It does. It's so long. I got another IMDb goof for you oh, as well. Oh, that's not a real corpse. IMDb goof. Alice is obviously alive while in the car, squinting to see what Brett Halsey is doing to know when to do her part. Seriously? Did someone write that? Fuck. <laughs> What a goof. Is that- I, that's, that's an actual goof that's on IMDb. Crazy. Are they just, like, taking the piss? Like, really? Is that- They can't- They can't really think no, that. I think they do. I Seriously. Think. I, it is funny to think that someone was, like, watch that scene and they're like, oh, look at this. She's clearly alive. Well, let me get onto IMDb and put a goof up. <laughs> oh, my God. Have I ever told you about all the fake IMDb trivia that I've added to IMDb over the years. No, what the fuck? Some of it is still on there. I've added like fake quotes and all. Uh, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So eventually, he finally, after like getting her sitting up straight, he drives off. But who does he run into? Well, there's like a police barricade type mm. thing. Not so, not so far as a barricade, but a police stop up ahead. And the police was like, you know, license of registration. And she's in the fucking passenger seat looking like Casper with a yeast <laughs> infection. She looks absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> she's so she's white like, and pasty. She's, she's so clearly <laughs> dead, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, all this like shit stuck to her face. <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, what was the problem? And he like points to a sign. Apparently he was speeding or something. Mm. And she's still kind of like falling down. Flopping about. But again, this doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah, it's, just like, it's so pointless. I love the, the music in this is like such goofball music as yeah. well. Like, what? <laughs> like, oh, what's Lester gotten himself into now? And I, I love his reaction, like with the speeding. He's like, "But I wasn't." And, like, and he like rolls his eyes. Yeah. So, curiously, you went back saying like the 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 comedy stuff. This was all his idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the original script, I don't know if you know this or not, but it would have played out like same like they he would have put the body in the car. Mm. But it was Lester who chose, or Lester, the actor, right, Halsey, yeah, <laughs> who yeah, chose yeah. to perform it in this comedy style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, the script was apparently completely straight, not funny, like fully dead serious. Wow. Horror mystery. And he is the one that, you know, encouraged Fulci to turn it into this utterly bonkers <laughs> kind of <laughs> That's thing. Great. I, I, oh, it's I, great. Yeah, it's I love amazing. It. I absolutely yeah. love it. Oh, it sounds probably sounds so stupid the way we've been describing it. It's like a legs keep popping out the trunk. And it is stupid. But it works so <laughs> yeah. well. And I think that is down to the actor and oh, his yeah. reactions in this. He he's he's really great. Yeah. yeah. So then we're back to the TV and we see old mate maggot kisser Thomas, Thomas. from the murder secret the, as the news reporter. The gardener. And he's talking about the latest murder again. Then we get the bit I talked about at the oh. start. The worst thing in this film. I really wish it wasn't in this film. But we get this really unpleasant shot of uh, Reginald, mm. our mate, getting- He's like eating meat from his thing and he just gets kicked. Mm. Like Brett Halsey kicks him across the room. Mm. And it's clearly- yeah. It's obviously real as yeah. well. And it, it actually- It really surprised me, this shot. 
Um, because Fulci has a reputation for being a real animal and cat lover. So right. it's like, why did you fucking feel the need to boot this cat? It was so unnecessary. Yeah, totally unnecessary. That's like, what did Reginald ever do? Yeah. It's just, it's, it is the, the worst thing in mm. this film. Way more offensive than anything else that's in this film. Yeah. Because it's real. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. We'll move on from Reginald's booting across the room. But yeah, Lester's listening to the news report, getting more stressed out. Mm. The news announces that they've found the killer's blood type. He's like, fuck, that's my blood type. Mm. And he goes to listen to the tape recorder mm. to get some advice from mm. himself. And he's, But he stops himself. Mm. He, like, kind of... Mm. So, this is the beginning of, like, a bit of a break in his communication mm. with, with himself <laughs> or whatever that might be. But, right. I, but, but I like that they were like, you know, blood on the, on the murder weapon because he used the whip as well, right? Mm. So there wouldn't have been any blood mm. anyway. Maybe from the slaps across the face. Those are some good old the slaps. Op- the <laughs> opera slaps, yeah. So he goes back to see the bookie boys again. Mm. <laughs> the bookies. Oh, yeah. Randy and so like Randy is there with the same bookie guy before and this old man is hanging out with them as well and Randy's like ah the office is closed no bets no horse bets happening at the moment the police have tapped the phone but Lester's just desperate to Mm. bet some money Randy invites him to play a game of cards yeah Lester just He's just an idiot, right? He's he's no he he has the not only bad luck, but he's just a dumb. He's a born he's loser. A, he's a born loser. He's an idiot, <laughs> and he's making these like big bets, like huge amounts of money. And he's asking Randy for for credit, asking for ten thousand. He puts down five thousand. The old man folds the other book. He folds, and then Randy matches it with ten thousand. When they put down their cards, of course, mm. Lester has lost. Mm. Randy's beaten him, so he's got one week to pay oh. Randy. And he's sweating like a fucking pig in <laughs> yeah, this. He looks so up. haggard. Is great. Oh, man, he's just really, really messed mm. up. Mm. After this stroke of bad luck, we get my favorite line in the whole film. Oh, okay. I wonder if you... I don't know why I find it so... Maybe it's not that funny, but the more times I watch this, the funnier I find it each time. Mm. But he goes back to uh, his house... And uh, the phone rings and he picks it up and he starts recording it on the answering mm. machine. And the person doesn't say who it is. So the person on the other line is like, take a guess. And, and Lester says, I don't play guessing games on the telephone. There's <laughs> something very, very funny about that line. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't register that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> it's That's just like just such a hilarious thing to to hear out of context. But yeah, the the voice is the voice. It's his on voice, the recorder, isn't it? Yeah. Himself. Yeah, the voice starts saying that that he's the killer, right? Yeah. And and Lester's like, why do you want to destroy me? And the voice is saying like, no, 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 I don't want to at all. Mm. Like, in fact, I'm linked to you, and yeah. uh, I'm we're close enough to touch right now. Lester looks over to a curtain, like, blowing in the room. I, I loved that. This was another one of those moments uh, when my partner walked into the room. She's like, the fuck? Like, because, <laughs> because there's, like, this, you know, th- he's on the phone and he said, I'm closer than you think. And we get this sound of the wind. But it's, like, a really strong sound. It's like... Yeah. And when he looks over the curtain, it's, like, very flimsily yeah. blowing. It's like someone's <laughs> on the other side just, like, lightly patting it with their hand. And my partner was like... Should be moving more if there's that much wind. This is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But yeah, like the voice refuses to say where he's calling from, hangs up. 
And this is the next scene is the one that really confused me because right. for me at least this is the most jarring scene where I really felt lost as to how we ended up here. Mm. So he's at the stable. Yeah, he goes to like the horse racing track. Right? Yeah, yeah, and he's looking for the guy who was on the other side of the phone, which doesn't make any sense <laughs> I because I have no idea. We don't know. We 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 didn't get any information. Of who was on the other side of the line, you know, the phone. So he's kind of walking around, looking around. Why did he go there? We don't know. He finds this kind of hut, which seems to be kind of abandoned. Yeah, or it's yeah. just like, uses a warehouse or something. He breaks in. And as he as he breaks in, he like kicks something across yeah. the room and it's Reginald's food bowl. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? And then a shadow of a cat yeah. runs past. Yeah. Like a shadow of Reginald. Yeah. And it's like freaky stuff afoot. It kind of yeah. gets all a bit like Twilight Zone so we don't mm. really know what's going on. Music gets a bit freaky. Mm. But I was going to say, the thing I did love about this is the whole time uh, you get the horse race commentary playing. Mm, mm, mm. And as the scene progresses and the tension escalates, it's like the the, the race is also proceeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I get like the that. escalation and tension from the commentary as well. Mm. And that was a really, it's really cool great way yeah. to show the elevation in intention. Yeah, but he, yeah, he, it is such a strange scene, but he, he's walking down this hallway. He's like suddenly in like what seems to be a totally different place mm. after he leaves this hut. And we keep cutting to his shadow, but... We're like, is it his shadow? Is it someone else's shadow? It's yeah, very like yeah. jarringly sort of cut together. Yeah. And then he he goes into this storage room and we cut to like what looks like his shadow running across mm-hmm. like through the room, but mm. he's not actually moving. And he walks around this space and he finds a phone sitting on the ground mm. and then a piece of paper he opens it up and it's got his name and yeah. phone number on it. And there's all these sounds, but he can't see anyone. So like things are like moving and bumping and it sounds better than it actually is yeah yeah because the moving and the bumping is literally just like like an oil can (laughs) but that's enough to spook him out though he's very spooked yeah he he feels like someone's watching him but we don't see anyone Mm. and then suddenly he he just freaks out yeah and runs out the door which is another thing because Mm. Up until this point, he was chasing the shadow, essentially. Yeah, he thought yeah. someone was there. He was trying to find them. He was chasing them. And then we don't really get any big change in scene. Nothing really happens that mm. freaks him out. He just Apart panics. from an oil, cut, an oil drum just, like, wobbling a little bit. Yeah. But suddenly, he's just like, no, fuck! And the, the music starts kicking off, and he just starts <laughs> running. Yeah. And he's running like a lunatic, you know, as if his life depends on it. Mm. But us as the viewer, like, hang on, what happened? Yeah, it's, it's very, <laughs> very strange. Mm. But yeah, he, he runs out. He ends up falling over, and he runs across, like, a creek or, yeah. like, a stream. Yeah, what's he doing in a stream? I don't know. And he's, like, soaking wet, like, fucking soaked <laughs> to the bone. And yeah, gets back in his car all wet as hell, then just back to his house. <laughs> yeah, like, like what was that about? Strange. What was that about? That entire scene could have just taken place like mm. within his home. It's it's very odd that whole sequence. I do love though, like after he's been all wet and had this experience, it's just him in the shower and he's really angrily showering. <laughs> he's like, "Fucking goddammit. it!" Like, <laughs> he's really pissed off. He's just so great throughout mm. this film. So he he's out of the shower after this weird sequence Mm. the phone rings again he thinks it's going to be the voice so he's instantly kind of apprehensive answering Mm. the phone 
but it's a woman who's got the wrong number and he's he's just pissed off about it he's like call, call the right number what are you uh, doing uh, here's a great line and he goes well hang up and try again but this time more carefully yeah, <laughs> yeah she calls again and gets him again of yeah. course and this time he sort of he calms down a bit and starts talking to her a bit more and we have possibly <laughs> the most upsetting cut of the whole film <laughs> it's not where we one. cut to the woman <laughs> he's on the phone with and it's just a fucking horrendous cut to this close-up shot mm. of her lips, mm. like really close in mm. on her upper lip, mm. where she's got a massive deformity on her yeah. like, upper lip, like this sort of brown mess on her upper <laughs> mouth, like a k- kind of. It's kind of like a what do you call it's it? Like, like a, a hair, hair lip, lip, yeah, but but brown <laughs> and just it's so intense like the, the cut yeah and it pulls out slowly from from this uh <laughs> this this deformity yeah she's played by zora karova uh she's a czech actress did you recognize her no what's she been in she's in a lot of stuff but um she's in uh cannibal ferox oh and fuck. i think she's in is it pronounced anthropothagus Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. 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 Yeah. She's in a she's in a bunch of stuff, and yeah, she's you know a very attractive woman mm. that they've made look horrendous in this mm. with this, this like lip deformity thing. But she's just like I love that she just tells uh, Lester everything straight yeah. away. She's like, well, you know, I'm a rich widow, and uh, <laughs> oh, I love your voice. I wish you could wake me up every day. She's just like yeah, instantly yeah, yeah. in love with him. And also in her room, did you did you see the decor in her room? It's like a fucking goose or something. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a massive dead swan, like stuffed <laughs> swan, just in her room. Like it's so fucking full. Of, and it's like it's the not, way Fulci That's like in the forefront, yeah, yeah, though. I was going to say that. The way Fulci shows it. It's like, at first, it's like, you're like, oh, fuck, it's like a fucking dead swan in the background. And then it just cuts to it in the front of the shot. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's so, so unnecessary. But I love, like, Lester is just like, fuck, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Didn't even have to look at the Lonely Hearts for this one. I loved it, because after she was like, oh, I'm a lonely widow, and, you know. Yeah. Oh, that could cost you quite a lot uh, for me to wake you up every day. Like, he's clearly, yeah. he has, has a very sudden change in mind. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He, he, he sees a chance and he takes it. He's ready to go. Yeah. So she hangs up and we get this so very... They, they arrange to meet, don't yeah, they? they? Yeah, they arrange a meeting. After she hangs up, she puts her lipstick on and it just lingers on that deformity. It's yeah. really awful. It's a bit grim. It's very, very it's grim. grim. So yeah, Lester's watching TV again. We oh. get another description of him. Oh, I love it. I love it. So now we know he has dark hair they have they have the witness description right mm. so he, we know he has dark hair no beard now mm. and no glasses so they've caught up with him and his current looks so he has to change his look again yeah. and what does he do <laughs> dye his hair blonde yeah. and gets these like fucking jeffrey dahmer-esque yeah. glasses going on and th- th- there's a it, this is a weird shot because he has this um, these new glasses, this new hair, and he is wearing this kind of dark blue suit. And he gets into the car, drives over to see his new deformity mm. lady. <laughs> deformity lady. 
And but then when he arrives, he's wearing a completely different yeah. suit, and he looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> he's wearing this sky blue suit with a white shirt, this bleached blonde hair, oh, and God. these glasses. And I think, I mean, it's supposed to signify the mm. passing of time because mm. apparently now they've been dating yeah. for quite a long She's- time completely in love with him at this point. Mm. Yeah, it's, it feels like he's about to just drive and meet her for the first time. So yeah. it's quite like, whoa, hang on. He's wearing something different and mm. why are they talking like this? And you have to try to kind of try and play catch up because yeah. it seems like so much has happened from the time that he went to her house yeah. to the time that he arrived at her it's house. very shakily uh, mm. delivered there. He looks so dumb. Yeah, he, he does look <laughs> ridiculous. I also love like the first cut to seeing them she's like feeding some swans as well after we've seen that dead swan she fucking loves swans i guess and like her house is outrageous Mm. it's like this ridiculous like super italian Mm. looking big fancy got a big pool and oh my god brett halsey in the scene is so fucking funny the best it just the whole time (laughs) she's talking he's just staring at her deformed mouth (laughs) with this look of just like disgust on his face it's ridiculous and yeah she's she's telling him that she loves him but he's just staring at that he's just like he's like wincing he's just like oh god so so absurd i i i was really really laughing his his facial expressions are too good yeah i think what you say she says like what you've done for me is like a miracle it's it's something incredible. It's as though you brought me back to life. And he just can't bear to look at her. <laughs> His face is grimacing the whole time. Yeah, at one point they're like dancing by the pool and yeah. she's got her eyes closed and he's just staring at her, like just hating every second of it. <laughs> and she keeps like, with her eyes closed, she keeps kissing the air as oh, well. Oh, God. She, she kind of like pushes him to say like, oh, what's wrong? You seem really down. Hmm. You know, I want you to be honest with me, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, he tells her that he's made some bad investments mm. and they're coming for him. Yeah. He needs some money. He needs $200,000. Virginia. Have we said her name yet? Virginia. Oh, it's Virginia. You there just you go. bloody did. So lip deformity Virginia. She she, she says, uh, all right, we can make an arrangement. Lip deformity Virginia. <laughs> She's like, what, what collateral do you have? And he's like, the, the only thing I've got is my, my house. <laughs> And she's like, all right, let's put the house in my name, yeah. Lip, Lip Deformity Virginia. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you give me back the money, we can tear up that contra- con- yeah. contract. Yeah. And while he's listening to her, we see this absolutely fucking mental shot where he's like, he's sort of rubbing his hands together. And then it cuts back to him again. And he's got a nutcracker <laughs> yeah, that appears that. out of nowhere or nutcracker or lobster cracker. Uh, as we'll find out yeah. later. And then it cuts back again and it's gone. So that's <laughs> weird, but it does come back later yeah. on in the film. So Lester's like, uh, let's get a lobster and champagne to celebrate. He's like, we need to celebrate. I was like, mate, get a lobster. You got no fucking money. Yeah, you just on, asking mate. for $200,000. Oh, and you're you saying, let's get lobster and champagne. He's like, what are you celebrating? <laughs> What's there to celebrate? But he feels like his problem is solved, right? So he goes back to his car and then he's like, wait. Where's my shadow? Where's my shadow? (laughs) Probably the most insane twist of the film. He notices that his shadow is gone. That's right. But but then it says, like, it's the same, like, what you said when he turns over the outer space. He's like, 
Oh, oh well. And he just carries <laughs> yeah. on going. My shadow's gone. Anyway, yeah, he, he drives off. Yeah. He drives, where's my shadow? Oh, so weird. So he, he tries to go back to his house, but... Who's there? The bloody bookies. Oh, the bookies are there. Randy and Randy's mate are there. And they see him. They pull out a gun <laughs> to, to, like, shoot him. But luckily... Well, luckily, I don't know. He's not a very nice guy. But anyway, luckily for him, he manages to escape. And goes and stays at a, a motel and books a ticket to Vegas. Another one which I was like, ah, oh, back to the day when booking flights by phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's got a great line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The name is Parson. Lester Parson. That's right. Almost like a person. But not quite. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was actually quite a great line. Because he's like <laughs> such a twisted guy. And it's yeah. like quite a nice summary of, of who he is, yeah. right? And then oh, he's man. like, all right, I'll pick it up later. And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck. So what? Back then you had to mm. go and pick up your flight tickets. Oh, like, what a pain in the ass. Can you imagine? Yeah. It's already a- a- enough of a pain in the ass now to, to get a flight, right? In the middle of bloody Italy mm. or America, depending <laughs> on the street they're in. Yeah, yeah. dude, that would have been a right faff. Jesus. So, so he goes to Virginia mouth deformity. Yeah, he goes to see old lip deformity Virginia. And he's got a big bag with a lobster in it. <laughs> so fucking great but yeah, he he goes to see virginia and he's like oh have you got the money yeah it's very tense right you can tell mm. she knows that something's yeah, up she's oh, in a bad mood fuck, yeah mate, we're coming up to my favorite moment of the film but yeah Le- <laughs> lester takes out the lobster in the kitchen and we see the lobster cracking device yeah, yeah. Wait, that we saw in the imagination yeah did you hear what he calls the lobster how can you talk business in front of our noble crustacean guests <laughs> That's got to be a Brett Halsey ad lib moment for sure. She's asking about the lawyers and he's like, not in front of our noble crustacean guests. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. So he he preps the lobster, comes out with the lobster and champagne. Perhaps he's got fucking two cold lobsters wrapped in fucking tin foil that he just puts on a plate. Oh, and he's pocketed the Kraken device. The Kraken device. Kraken device. Bring out the Kraken. I don't know what you call it. It's like an, it is a nut cracker but i guess you can use it for uh, a lobster you need a whole well. bloody toolbox to eat a lobster <laughs> yeah lobster is like it's just a pain in the ass it's more right? effort than it's worth yeah, it's not it's not worth it oh, man. i mean it tastes good but come on not that good not that yeah i'd rather eat a big old steak so he he comes out he's like oh virginia you look like an angel <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her to close her eyes and he pulls out the kraken device <laughs> that's gonna soon become a murder device and he starts walking up to her, but then she opens her eyes and pulls out a gun. That's right. She says that she watched the news mm. and she's recorded it. We watch what she's recorded. And this is my, oh my God. I had forgotten how funny this was. So the the news report is like, oh, we, we now have an identikit of the murderer. We now know what he looks like. Yeah. And then we cut to this identikit <laughs> picture and it is... The stupidest thing I've ever seen. It looks fucking it's nothing like nothing him. It doesn't even like look him. like a person. This ridiculous <laughs> image. It's like a fucking like fucking collage of photographs. <laughs> where they put like two different eyes, a nose, and a mouth together. It looks so ridiculous. I love Lester's reaction. He's like, "Well, that doesn't really look much like me." And Virginia's like, "No, it's it's fucking. It's clearly you." <laughs> <laughs> I watched it twice. I was like, I still cannot find the similarities. <laughs> There's nothing like him. But anyway, Lester tries to get the gun away for her, from her, and she shoots him, mm. blasts him in the chest, yeah. squibs ahoy, 
And uh, he rolls about. He's like sort of rolling across the room Mm. on the walls, dying. He goes into the car park. Virginia has a fucking car park in her house, like a big, massive car. I guess she's very, very rich. He's like dying slowly. And as he's dying, his shadow is there on the wall, also dying. Yeah. Sort of hunched over. And the shadow is like, this is the end of the line for us, Lester. (laughs) Shadow's explaining his death to him. so weird. And then, like, but as the shadow's dying, there is a really cool shot where the shadow sort of shrinks back Mm. down and back over to to Lester. Yeah. It's just so weird. There's no real explanation to any of this. It's quite a poetic ending, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's all things considered. Weird and sad and strange Mm. and, and yeah, but that's it. He just He just dies dies and that's it immediately. Bang, credits. Most fucking intense what's that about what's that about man what a absolutely insane insane film yeah i mean i i get that there was some sort of split personality thing going on with the fact that you know he was listening to his own recordings and getting calls from himself so you can kind of you can kind of see where they try Mm. to go with the shadow being like a separate part of him yeah but at the same time like it wasn't really anything it, it's weird, like, I think just us talking about it has made me realize how much this film is, like, a messy version of American Psycho, uh, where I can see what it, it's trying to do, that kind of thing of, like, yeah. we, we don't know what's real, and, like, mm. but it just it's just ends up being very confusing, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that I realized after talking about it. I mean, I kind of thought about it whilst I was watching it, but it really dawned upon me now about how much of a mess this film is yeah. and how half assed yeah. it's been made where they just appear in these random places and they have mm. all these like subplots that lead to nowhere mm. and I, these half thought yeah. out things. I feel like it's maybe not so much half assed in the way it's made, but more just, they just couldn't mm. do it properly. Mm. Like I think he had so much, so many problems with the budget on this. Yeah. That, I feel like they probably didn't get the coverage they needed. and mm. But either way, no matter... Even with that aside, it is still tonally oh. so crazy. And the way it sort of changes halfway through into a different film. And, yeah. like, the insane kind of mix of this extreme violence. Like, mm. those violent scenes are probably the most violent scenes in any Fulci film, mm. possibly. Like, they, they are really fucked. And then at the same time, it's this ridiculous goofball comedy. Yeah. But I, I mean, that is the reason I love this mm. film as well. I, I really love this movie. I loved it. I thought it was great. I was cracking up, <laughs> laughing my ass off at the really dumb shit. <laughs> the gore, when it was there, mm. was great. And I did enjoy the the idea of him becoming mm. a separate entity from his mm. shadow. I think mm. that's a cool idea. It would have been cool if that was explored a little bit more. Yeah. But I understand that, yeah, there was, there's only so much they could do. Mm. It definitely doesn't quite get there. But I also kind of love the lack of coherency with this yeah. as well. I think it it kind of adds to the madness of it in a way yeah. as well. It feels like too many, too many like, ideas yeah. in one film to, to really fully explore. That's true, yeah. But that is also just part of the yeah, charm yeah. because I, I, I totally really, agree. really enjoyed <laughs> this film. I totally agree. I think it's like, it's a technically a worse film because of that, but it's a more interesting uh-huh. film because of it as well. Cause it's just such a weird mixed bag of lunacy. Mm. This <laughs> So much better than the murder secret. I'm going to say. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I said at the start about Fulci's 
relationship with women mm. maybe a bit about him and his his life i'm sure you've heard stuff about that before like a lot has been said about mm. fulci being quite a misogynist mm. in the way he he presents women and i think this film is a pretty good opportunity to talk about that oh yeah because this film as silly as it is i think it's like quite an amazing insight into fulci's psyche in a lot of ways uh-huh. so th- this film is so when it's violent, it is so angry and hateful mm. in the way it, like, presents its, like, female characters. But I also think it's, like, really... It's, it's, it's Don't get me wrong, it's a silly, dumb movie, but it's also very complex. And I feel like it's filled with this self-loathing as well. Mm. Like, the way that Virginia kind of deals with Lester, it's just... It really shows how pathetic he is. So, mm. he is this really pathetic character. Oh, there's so much going on in this, I think, that's, like... Fulci's brain, like an insight into it. <laughs> but I wanted to talk a bit about Fulci and women. So I'm sure you've heard with the New York Ripper, that's kind mm. of the main film that comes up with, you know, people calling him a misogynist, essentially. Mm. One of the writers on that film, Dardano Serkechi, he was saying with Fulci, that film, all of the kind of, you know, sadism towards women in that film was from just from him, from Fulci only, oh, okay. not the other writers. He said about Fulci, Fulci nurtures a profound sadism towards women. Oh, wow. So that was his opinion on that. Profound and then, sadism. Yeah, which is quite an intense it, yeah. quote, right? And, you know, on sets, he's, like, very famous for being awful to people and, in particular, women. Mm. So, again, going back to old mate Al Cliver, big mustache boy, he's got some pretty amazing stories about Fulci on set. He says about Fulci, he was the worst with actresses. He would make them cry. They would burst into tears. I've never seen a man treat women like that to this day. And he tells this story that this is quite fucked. It's like a little bit funny, but also very fucked. (laughs) Fucking hell. Here we go. (laughs) So zombie. Great film. Uh, Do you remember Oretta Gay is her name? Uh, She's one of the main actresses in it. Mm. She's the one that when the zombie shark comes out, she's like underwater in that scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, here's a story about her from Al Cliver talking about the production of that. So apparently she was terrified of deep water and Fulci made her dive to get right down to the bottom. She was shaking, but he screamed at her so bad and made her stay under. She was so frightened she... Well, let's just say we saw a piece of shit floating up in the water. That is what his temperament had accomplished. So instead of apologizing, he called her Kaka Gay for the rest of the shoot. So her name's Oretta Gay, and, he's, and he just called her Kaka oh, wow. Gay for the rest of the shoot. Isn't that That's fucked? Fuck, Jesus. Like, it's insane. But, but then I, I don't want to give, like, just one black and white Mm. side to him right like i think there's more to it than just that so he also wrote some quite strong female characters in his films and a lot of his leading actresses really loved working with him Mm. you know once they got to know him and worked with him again and again and he was like a deeply broken man Mm. i think it's important to remember that not giving excuses for his behavior but he had a life filled with tragedy. His his wife committed suicide. Right. Um, his daughter was paralyzed in an accident. We talked about that mm. in the Murder Secret episode. So these are not an excuse, but it kind of may, might explain, you know, his attitude and instability. So he was like a really troubled guy. Did you also know, I didn't know this until researching this episode. A lot of people think that his death was actually a suicide. 
No, no, I never heard I, that. I thought that he died from uh, diabetes complications, but the tramp actor guy, oh, De yeah. Stefano, so in that, that featurette, he claims that Fulci killed himself huh. because of uh, relating to the delays of the production of his film with Argento. So he, his last film was that he had a film planned to make with Argento producing. They kind of made up. Oh, really? They were going to make this film called The Wax Mask. Right. And it was all, like, happening, but there was all these, like, delays with the production, with money, mm. and he he was apparently very depressed. And when they found him when he was dead, he was apparently had stopped taking taking his uh, insulin, mm. and he was had eaten all these chocolates and stuff, and wow. they think he had basically committed suicide that's like one that might not be true but that's that's a a very theory mad way to commit suicide yeah very very nuts and actually argento paid for fulci's funeral which is just crazy i didn't know any of these things before researching this but i wonder what mm. you said like uh, fulci hated argento i wonder what argento's thoughts on fulci were like Mm. in their kind of heyday when they were i'm gonna say rivals but at least from like a fan's point of view you Mm. know in in a way right i've i've never heard argento talking about him i think fulci is more he was more outwardly what's the word like he didn't give a fuck when Mm. he would just openly he when you watch extra features interviews with him he just bitches about everybody (laughs) from wes craven to argento (laughs) so i've never heard argento say much about him Mm. yeah i'd be interested to know too so with that kind of complex idea of fulci and his thoughts on women and all that sort of thing i wanted to wrap that up with uh sasha darwin so the mustache bearded lady yeah i watched this interview with her where she gave this really interesting view of fulci and i Quoted this a little bit in The Murder Secret, but I wanted to give, like, the full thing that Mm. she says about him. Maybe you might remember on on The Murder Secret, I said that she described Fulci as being, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, yeah, Having these two sides to his personality. So this is the full thing that she says about him. Uh, When working, he was a terrible man, if one wasn't familiar with who he was. If there wasn't an effort to want to know him, you'd be left with that first impression. But if you wanted to know the other side of Lucio Fulci, like I did, you'd see that he was a very human man, very kind, a man that had gone through a lot of suffering throughout his life. It was something you could really feel, especially in Touch of Death. Mm. So she mentions that as being a film that's like sums up his personality, basically. Mm. Uh, I believe uh, this is the most misogynistic movie ever made by Lucio Fulci. I believe it is the movie where he was able to free himself Not that he hated women. On the contrary, he loved them. But sometimes, uh, certainly, he was afraid of them. Mm. To avoid that fear of suffering, he put up a wall. Uh, When I got to know him well, I could understand that about Lucio. He was extremely nice and human, and I'm thrilled and honored to have have reached that place to know him beyond the working situation. And that's the memory I want to retain of Lucio Fulci. Mm. So it's like, she's like, this film's fucked and misogynistic, Mm. but... He was, it seemed to be more of a fear of women than a hatred. Right. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting... interesting. A lot of divided opinions about the man. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, he's, a, it's... he's a complex character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I just thought this this film is, as silly as it is, mm. is such a, yeah, fascinating look at him I as mean, a person. Oh, it definitely has something to say about the director itself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. This, is a, <laughs> this is an odd film. Mm. And... I have two thoughts, well, two essentially opposing thoughts about this film. Mm. And when you first 
told me about this film when I first heard about this film was when we did the murder secret mm. and you kind of just briefly like oh it's this film about a man who kills women with deformities yeah. and I was like well that sounds fucked <laughs> yeah. and in my head I was thinking like, almost like William Lustig from Maniac going mm. around and, like murdering right, right. Yeah, like yeah. wheelchair bound <laughs> yeah. women or something for only because they had deformities like Mm. In my head, it was like he was murdering them because they were deformed. And he hated deformed people or mm. deformed women. In my head only. Yeah. So when I watched this and I was like, oh, so it's actually it's actually quite a relatively complex character. And it's not because they solely have deformities. Because that would be extremely exploitive. Yeah. He actually has a motive. He's after them for their money, etc., etc. And he's killing them for that. So in that sense, I thought... It was not as exploitive as I thought it would be. Mm. But on the opposite side of that, there is absolutely no need for them to have these deformities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I... Every time I watch this, I'm like, why did he make yeah. that decision? It's so unnecessary. And the mm. plot would have been exactly the same yeah. <laughs> whether they had these deformities or not. They could have just been lonely widows. Yeah. Like, to add in, like, your hairy moles all over mm. them and be, it's, it it's feels angry. It feels yeah, like, yeah, hate, yeah. like, yeah, it's so, it's such a, yeah, it's so weird. Mm. It's such a bizarre sort of choice, right? That's it. So in that, like I said, my first thought, it's not as exploitive as I thought it'd be because it wasn't this film. But on the other side, because it is so unnecessary to the plot, it's in a way more exploitive. Yeah. Yeah. So in that mm. sense, this film is mad. Yeah. And it really has... <laughs> Something to say about the director. And I, I wonder why he chose to put that in. I feel like it comes from a place of misogyny. I do mm. think so. I, I do think it is that. Or like just as, you know, Sasha Darwin said, like a fear of women or mm. something. Because it, it is so... He, like, he hates those characters. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the women in this are just... Other than Virginia, perhaps. But like, they're all just shown as being completely mindless, repulsive... Mm creatures basically mm. yeah <laughs> it's, yeah it's really quite full-on like it's quite an intense thing to see <laughs> yeah and mm. it's also kind of funny that the fact that all the women in this who do get murdered they are actually nice people as well yeah they're, they're all good people nothing they've done nothing to no. deserve this yeah it's other than his yeah kind of hatred of them mm. for being in his mind, ugly or annoying or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Should we get to the old wrong armor to that? Do it. So how wrong the film is, how fucked it is, how, mm, how much it shouldn't exist. Perhaps <laughs> uh, I'm uh, going to go pretty high with this because mm. of all the things we've talked about, yeah. the unnecessary elements that are in the film mm. and the weird tonal shifts and just how jarring everything is. Yeah. I'm going to go for an eight mm. for this one. How about you? Initially, I was thinking about a six initially. Mm. And one of the big reasons for that was the fact that the gore just evaporates right. within yeah. like 20 minutes or whatever into the film and turns into something completely different. And I really wanted more of that ridiculous gore mm. and then uh, mixed in with the ridiculous humor. But after hearing everything and revisiting it in my mind, I'm going to... 
a first for me. I'm going to the point mark. I'm giving it a 7.5. Nice. Which I've, I've not done before. That's a controversial <laughs> one for me. Um, it was a great film. Tonally fucked. I don't know if I wanted it to be more of a gore film and mm. carry on that gore. I wanted them to really explore the separation from his shadow more. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of like conflicted within my own emotions yeah, on yeah. this. I know what you mean. Like it's, there's just too much going on. Yeah. So you, you, and you want to, you want everything explored. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really that long of a movie no, it's like either. 80 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they really jammed so much mm. into this. But then also going back to what you said before, this was made for TV. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> Imagine who, seeing who this ever thought that was a good I idea. I mean, that's the same with the murder secret as well. It's like, how you can't put this on TV. No. It just does not belong on TV. Yeah. Oh, man. What a, what a strange film. But yeah, yeah. Th- this one is very easy to access. So oh, yeah. Definitely, you know, especially if you're a Filchy fan, this is a, mm. a must see. <laughs> All right. What do we got uh, next time? Well, next time we are going to an undisclosed location because this is a very, very geographically complicated movie. But we'll be visiting somewhere for Night Evil Soul from 1981. One more time. Night. Night Evil Soul. Okay. But this has... About a dozen other titles, it's also known as. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and don't quote me on that year, because that also could be wrong. Right, right. Well, we'll find out more <laughs> next time. So, so, Night Evil Soul. Or not. Or not. From 1981. Mm. Or, or not. not. Yeah. From Taiwan. Or, or not. not. <laughs> Join us next so, time. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to watch that before next time, just Google <laughs> Night Evil Soul. Maybe 1981, maybe Taiwan. And you might, you might find it, perhaps. There you go. <laughs> All right. And as we mentioned at the start, I'll do it one more time. But yeah, do follow us on Twitter at SMSW Podcast. And you can shoot us an email at showmesomethingwrong at gmail.com. And please do a, do a review or at least a rating. That would be really helpful if you go to Apple Podcasts and do that. We'll see you for night i forgot the bloody title night evil soul maybe was that it well i don't know oh shit i'll have to tell you later mate we'll see you for that it's a little too shrill reginald